0: friends and welcome to the paradox women's podcast i'm your host heather essien and i'm so glad you're tuning in today each month i invite a guest to come share a little bit of her story with us we chat about the good the funny the hard and how jesus works through it all my hope is that we'll make a connection and our stories will resonate with one another this morning i sat down with scout walker a faithful paradox partner we talked about her mexican-american upbringing her love of the arts, and her battle with depression. I hope Scout's story encourages you today. Hi, Scout. Hi. Thank you for joining me today. Of course. How I'm, are you? I'm, I'm well. How about you? I'm good. You are wearing the cutest white flowy summer dress that my dreams are made of, and <laughs> beautiful red earrings.
1: Yes. You look adorable. Thank
0: you. It is summer in Texas.
1: Yeah, it's super hot. I'm trying to, this week too, I was trying to dress patriotic all week without being like oh, flags all day early. every day. So that's kind
0: of. Are you a patriotic person?
1: I am this year. I okay. don't know. It changes year to year. Some years I'm like, I don't care. But this year I'm like, I want to do every single day. I want to dress in some way patriotic.
0: Oh, I love that. My little girls are really into making bracelets right now. And Haddon made a special bracelet last night that said July and it had red, white, and blue beads on it. Oh, and I was cute. like, oh, I didn't know this about you. <laughs> I My love almost six-year-old is really into... Patriotism. Nice. <laughs> um, okay, so Scout, I want to hear about you. Who is Scout Walker? What makes you who you are?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I am a full-time artist. I think art and creativity is kind of my main thing across the board. I love doing things with my hands, creating. I taught art for a couple of years. I just resigned. I was teaching at a school, and I just resigned recently. So that's opened the opportunity for me to do a lot more of like what I desire to do when it comes Mm -hmm. to creating and designing. So that's a huge part of my life in general. I love that. I'm an
0: artist too, so I get that. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. What kind of art did you teach? Like what mediums did you teach?
1: So I taught elementary general art, so it's more of an introduction. This is what it is. These are different elements to art and how we use it. I tried in my curriculum with the younger ones to do a lot more of practical teaching. Mm -hmm. So art can be architecture. It's not just painting on a wall. It's not just murals. Like artists are designers. They do graphic design, stuff like that. So I was always trying to teach them different mediums and different ways they could practically apply to their lives outside of school, outside of the art class. I love
0: that. So you've just always been a creative since you were little. Yes, I have. Likewise. That's awesome. Okay. And so you've been married how many years now? I've been married for four
1: years now. And tell us who you're married to. I'm married to Michael Walker. He's six, seven, and I'm 5'3", really, so it's really funny.
0: Yeah, I love when he reads to God's other. word too. I feel like he like brings God's word alive on Sunday mornings mm-hmm. when he reads the scripture for us. Yeah, he loves doing that too.
1: Okay. It's, he loves that.
0: Awesome. What else about you? You're a full-time artist. You, you also serve at The Paradox. So tell me a little bit mm-hmm. about what you do for our church body.
1: Yes, so I serve on the events team. So that is the team behind all the things like baptisms and Easter weekend, and most recently our groundbreaking event. So it's a lot of planning different activities, facilitating how those are gonna happen. Like at the groundbreaking, we had food trucks. And so it was a matter of coming up with the different food trucks in our area and mm-hmm. then you know seeing who's available, stuff like that. So it's a lot, it's not always pretty, that side of it. It's a lot more practical sometimes. But I do serve with that, and I love doing that. I love hosting in my own home, and I love parties in general. So it's a joy to get to serve in that way for the church. That's cool. I also started the Embrace Grace ministry here at The Paradox. That is a ministry that serves single and pregnant women in Fort Worth.
0: Okay, so tell me what—I want to hear more about that. What spurred on the desire to start that ministry?
1: I, that was totally the Lord, because I have nothing in common with these women other than I'm a female. Honestly, I've never been pregnant, uh, never had kids, never like any of these situations. Um, I'm married. Most of these women are not married. Mm. And so from the outside, it's it doesn't make sense as to why I was so drawn to that, which is why I really believe that it was totally the Holy Spirit putting that desire in me and helping to launch that at the church.
0: Yeah, so take me back to that day. What What was that day like when he put that on your heart?
1: Yeah, my friend, Jada Menci and I, she used to go to Paradox before she moved. She and I actually went to look at a wedding venue because we were interested in opening a venue here in Fort Worth at the time. Okay. So we went to look at this venue. They happened to be hosting an event that was open to the public. And that was kind of our way of you know, sneaking in and seeing everything mm-hmm. in that building and it was a information event for embrace grace so we went with one thing on our mind of like we're gonna go check this space out and ended up just being smacked by that ministry and both of us at the end of it we looked at each other and we're like we have to do this what we need this in fort worth we need this at the paradox we want to help the fort worth pregnancy center out like let's approach our church let's approach our elders and ask if we can do that here
0: oh man that's amazing i love that well i know that is such an important ministry Um, I can't wait to hear a little bit more about that. But let's get into, I want to know, how did Jesus save you? How did you come to know the Lord?
1: I came. I I grew up in a home that was definitely Christian-based. I think my perspective on that has changed a lot, being older and outside of the home for so long now. But there was definitely a lot of that influence in our lives um, and at home. It was something that... Was I was very aware of. like I was baptized at eight. I don't know that I knew entirely what Mm -hmm. was going on, but I was very aware of it. And then when I was just out of high school, I ended up dropping out of college. It just wasn't for me. And at that time, I was going through a lot of decision-making and just kind of internal crisis of like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. Have I failed at everything? I don't know what's going on. Did you kind of feel
0: that way that age anyways. Yes. Right? Yeah, very old, so. You're like, who am I? Where am I going? Yes.
1: It's very natural. And then it's just amplified when something like that happens. So it was definitely a lot of time of searching. And I ended up being friends with a group of people who were all artists. They were all creatives, designers, songwriters, et cetera, and they all loved the Lord. So every time I hung out with them, they were always talking about what they were reading in the Bible or what was inspiring them mm-hmm. at the moment from just the world the Lord created. And it was super impactful. And it's because of them that I became a Christian and came to know who the Lord was. And that's
0: awesome. Just his desire for us and for me. Okay. And so you're an artist, Mm -hmm. you enjoy creating. How does that speak to your relationship with God?
1: I think it comes out as a lot of appreciation for how he's created. He's Mm -hmm. the ultimate creator. He was the first creator. And everything that I get to create outside of that is imaging him.
0: Yeah. What's your favorite thing to create? Like, do you do you paint? Do you like what kind of stuff do you enjoy doing the most?
1: My number one favorite is installation. So that is anything that is typically 3D and created for a specific event or a space. It's typically large scale, like the size of a car situation, okay. something
0: large. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. I remember recently someone, I was preparing for an interview and you know, there's this popular question that go, that's going around. It's what is your why behind creating? And I was like, what is my why? I don't know. I just enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. I just enjoy painting. It's fun. But then as I thought more about it, I realized for me as a, a child who was always a creative, I wasn't really around a lot of creatives. And so, um, I didn't know that I was especially good at art. I just knew I enjoyed doing it. And then I got to college and much like you, I was kind of spinning around going, what am I doing? What do I want to do? I was in school for photography and for for the first time I was like, "Oh my gosh, this makes sense to me." And I knew immediately what I wanted my career path to be. But my whole life growing up, I didn't think I was good at anything. And so when I when I reflect back on what is your why and how does that relate to the Lord, I realized my why in creating is that I get to experience God's kindness in creating. It is just a way that I see how He's wired me and shaped me, and I get to create and enjoy His beauty, um, the way that He's uniquely allowed me to have pleasure in creating art. Um, and it's just beautiful. So I love to hear how others experience art and how God, you know, relates to that aspect. Um, so thank you for sharing that with us. Of course. How did you eventually find your way to the Paradox Church?
1: Through friends. So through Faith Brown, actually. I feel like that's a lot of people's origin yeah. story here. She's such a great She's connector. She's such a connector. I yes, know. absolutely. So a couple of my friends, we were attending a different church at the time. They had an evening service because I was. we were all in the service industry. That was the uh-huh. only time, time we could attend. And she told us, she said, hey, you should come out, check out my church. I really love it. And she got us connected with Matt Shelton. Mm -hmm. And he does, you know, songwriting for our church and a lot of graphic design and stuff. So he was the perfect connector for us. I remember sitting in his backyard um, whenever he invited
0: us over one time. And that was a huge blessing. It was a great way to get connected. That's awesome. I think I met you for the first time. We were having Citigroup at their house then.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. And I met you
0: for the first time. And I remember talking to you about your name, Scout. Oh, wow. Now, is that your given birth name Scout
1: it is on my birth certificate it's my middle name okay actually Mm -hmm. I remember that conversation I
0: remember it not okay so tell me about that
1: yeah my name is Emma Scout and it really the reason Scout is my middle name is because my parents couldn't quite find anything that went good as a middle name for Scout Mm -hmm. so they're like oh well we'll just do a first name and that'll flow better and then we can just call her Scout so they always have Um, but I'm my name Emma comes from the Jane Austen book
0: Okay. And then Scout is from To Kill a Mockingbird. That's awesome. And you are such a scout. <laughs> I would never see you as an Emma.
1: Yeah. I mean, Ye- Emma's yes. a beautiful Everybody name, but you're now. such a
0: scout. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> it's so weird whenever I'm at like a doctor's office or something and they come out, they're like, Emma? Like,
0: oh yeah, that's me, me too. <laughs> oh, me. That's really oh, funny. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay. So tell me, what is your cultural background? Mm-hmm. I'm Mexican American. Okay. And tell me about your, your upbringing. What was it like mm-hmm. to grow up Mexican American?
1: It, I, you know, I feel like this question comes up a lot more now than it used to. So it's really interesting looking back and kind of reflecting that and looking back at old photos and stuff in the families that we were around at the time were not the same as us, me and my family. And so it's interesting looking back at pictures and stuff and you can clearly tell who me and my siblings are in every single photo because we just stand out. We're super dark toned, like super dark hair. And it's just very obvious that we were super separate uh, just visually from that. I don't remember tons of differences. I feel like that came out more as an adult where I realized, oh, like this is culturally how I was raised and that's not normal. That's yeah. kind of different for everybody else, at least around where we live. So I notice it more now than I did so much as a kid.
0: Yeah. And you're proud of that, right? You're proud mm-hmm. to be Mexican-American. Oh,
1: absolutely. I love yeah. it. I
0: love it. Um, okay. So how has that translated then to marriage because Michael is not Mexican-American. No. <laughs> He's white. Yes. And so what has that been like for you?
1: It it's been a lot of growing. Honestly, we had a lot of problems at first just because of doing things differently from each other, just culturally, just different things being ingrained. Certain things were more important to me than they were to him. And we butted heads a lot at the beginning.
0: Over so what's that. more important to you? The Bentana.
1: concept of family. So in Hispanic culture, family is everything. It's not quite an honor-shame culture, but it's more like what you do reflects on your family and you are a representation of your family mm-hmm. and family comes first. It's very much blood is thicker than water okay. kind of situation. So my devotion to my family was a little bit hard at first because you know there was an event every weekend or somebody had a birthday or my cousin had a baby there was always something Mm -hmm. literally every week and i'd be like okay now this week we have this and uh, at one point he was like another event like why does this keep happening why is there so many and it took me up until then to kind of realize oh this isn't everybody's reality this is just my reality in this yeah. So it took he's used to it now. But at the time it was kind of like, why do you love your family so much? A little bit of a culture shock for <laughs> him. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: But I really I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. I think I think about that too. I, I always joke with my kids, like, when mommy gets really old, which one of you am I gonna live with? You know? Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, so are there any are there any traditions that you hope to pass on to your future family? Mm-hmm
1: i i really do think the concept of the close-knit family is very important to me michael and i talk all the time like when we have a house that i really want to have a space for my mom to come live Mm -hmm. um, whenever she's a little bit older so that she can just be there and be taken care of and be safe and protected there's also the sort of value that i want them to see of honoring your parents yeah it's not uncommon in a lot of different cultures to give money back to your parents when you are older and wow. out of the house as sort of a way of thanking somebody mm-hmm. for just the time and energy and life that they spent. Absolutely. It's not, you're not like paying penance to them. You're It's a gratitude right. gift essentially. Which and makes total sense to me. Yes. Yes. And that's something I want my potential future family to see that too. Like family is important. It's important to care for your elders and just keeping everybody around.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I love the concept of togetherness and family and the loyalty that mm-hmm. it sounds like you have to your family. How does that translate to the church body? Does that Has that shaped the way in which you view the church body should function mm-hmm. or you want the church body to function, or is it a separate thing for you? Is it like family over here, church family over here?
1: No, honestly, I don't think I've thought about that before, but I really do think it goes together. Because if you have a heart for your family and how you want that to operate— and then you are a believer; those things should be connected, because the Lord does refer to His church as a family, as mm-hmm. a church body, and so connecting those two is important and is huge. Yeah, and I think that goes back to like events. I love parties. I love events, and I love having all these people close together, whether it's my biological family or my church family. Yeah, I do think they very much are connected. But I hadn't made
0: that connection until now. Okay, I'm just so curious because everyone has such a different view or idea mm-hmm. of what. The body of Christ should look like and how we should function as a body. And Mm -hmm. some people love the idea of quote, doing life together all the time. And other people are like, well, that's just what we do on Sundays. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested to hear how your experience of having a close knit family Mm -hmm. relates to church family. I love that. Um, Okay. Let's go on to, I want to know what experience in life has really shaped you. Like is there is there a time that you can look back and go, "Wow, that experience really shaped me." And then what did that experience teach you about God?
1: Yes. So, whenever I was in high school, I had a friend die out of nowhere. It was definitely a lot harder because it wasn't a car accident. He didn't die by suicide. It wasn't um, like murder, anything like that. He was just alive one minute and then dead the next. And that was very impactful. Just the situation around that being so young, having him die so young and Mm -hmm. just not having a lot of answers. I remember so much from that day. That's how impactful it was. Like I could tell you exactly what I was wearing that day. Um, whenever I found out he passed away and there was a lot of confusion and just kind of questioning a lot of things in that time
0: afterwards. But so what things did you question? What did you find yourself questioning? Was it Your beliefs about God or life in general?
1: Definitely both. It's hard to see somebody die like that and then believe and know, like, oh, God has a plan. And people say that all the time when Mm -hmm. something traumatic happens. People say stuff like, oh, God has a plan for this. And it's true, He does. But also, there's an entire book in the Bible called Lamentations. Mm -hmm. Like, lamenting is okay. It's okay to be sad. You don't have to slap a bandaid over it. And that says, it's okay, God has this in His hand. It's true, but that doesn't leave room for grieving and bereavement and questioning yeah a lot of the psalms are written out of grief and mourning and just crying out to the lord
0: and wondering where he is
1: yes exactly Mm -hmm. and i really do think that that fit that season of life for me
0: yeah and how old were you
1: i was uh, between 16
0: 17 okay so really formative years yes and just shortly before you kind of ultimately mm-hmm. found your way to Jesus. Yes. Yes. Yeah, at age 20. Mm-hmm. Okay. So mm-hmm. how did that experience shape you?
1: I think it really helped create a lot of deep friendships with the people around me at that age. I'm still friends with a lot of the people and um, the family that he came from. Mm-hmm. Our moms went to college, so like I've known them Forever. It feels like, and I'm still friends with all of them. He had a lot of siblings. We're still close. And creating deep friendships like that has been very shaping. I think it's something I look for in other people. Mm -hmm. I understand that those friendships were kind of forged out of trauma, and that is very bonding. But that's something, that type of loyalty is something that I try to strive for in newer friendships, in meeting new people, and kind of bringing that to the table of just letting them know, you know, I plan to be around for you. I want to support you in this. I know that life can be really tough for everybody. Everybody has different reasons as to why, but knowing that you have a good support system of friends can be very helpful in those times.
0: Absolutely. And you walking through learning how to lament and learning how to be okay with that and learning how to um, wonder where God is is such a testament will help so many going forward when they walk through that same thing, Mm -hmm. because we really do have to be taught how to grieve and how to lament. You don't just lose a life that's important and suddenly know what to do or how to respond. That's the way the waves of grief work, right? And that learning that it's okay to stop and grieve and lament is so important and such a game changer in people's faith. You know, I've, I've just found that when people don't know that they can stop and question God or wonder where he is, that's when they can tend to walk away from the faith or grow um, apathetic towards God because they maybe don't realize that you can't. God is a safe place, mm-hmm, right? Absolutely. And, and those feelings are uncomfortable, but it's a good thing mm-hmm. that we would feel and welcome the discomfort that grief brings. I love that you will be able to come alongside people and help them with that. Have you had anyone experience anything like that since then?
1: Not quite in the same way. I think just based on that sort of freak accident feeling where somebody was so young and that was just so random seeming, I haven't experienced anybody with a similar situation, Mm -hmm. but I have definitely experienced friends who lose, you know, parents or grandparents and regardless of who the person was in that situation, grief is still real and big and something that everybody has to walk through and deal with.
0: Absolutely. Well, not to change the subject and bring lightness to what's going on, but I have two questions for you mm-hmm. and you get to pick which one you would prefer to answer. Um, so I want a little more insight into Scout Walker is one. So a being, if you have an embarrassing moment, you wish you forget, could forget, what would that be? Or B, what is your greatest weakness? Which one would you answer? Oh my gosh, B.
1: A is two. I'm not ready to share that one. <laughs> I have a really bad one. <laughs> yeah. Def- off
0: air, I need to hear it. Yeah,
1: for sure. <laughs> Definitely
0: off air. <laughs> oh
1: man. Yes, B, which was weakness, right? Yeah. Greatest weakness. What's your
0: greatest weakness?
1: Oh my gosh, I cannot get things all the way finished. That's a big problem for me. I am ADD. I start so many projects and I never ever finish them because I have too many new ideas at once. Mm -hmm. So at any given time, I'm doing 13 different things. And oftentimes, new things come into mind, new ideas, new projects, new designs pop in my head. And then I never finish the previous 13. Oh, my gosh. So that is a (laughs) huge... Oh, it's so bad. It's pretty bad. I have so many like drawers filled with different things I started or sketchbooks that are like, and then I'm going to do this and this and this. And I never do because... There's too many ideas, and I just feel like I don't have enough time. Does that Um, make you feel
0: overwhelmed? Because I'm kind of the same way as a creative person. I always have so many tabs open in my head of the fun things that I can do, or even things with the home, like things I wanna do. Like for for some reason, I don't know, at least once a month, I think I'm gonna become like this amazingly organized person and bring order to my house. It never happens, but that's always a tab that's open that I wish I could close. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is it overwhelming to you to be wired that way, to think that way?
1: I don't think it's overwhelming just because I've been this way my entire life. Mm -hmm. I've always been so energetic, always ready to go, always ready to party. And so I don't really know anything different. I think I look back at different things and think, oh, I really should have finished that. Or think about, oh, what could have happened had I finished that project? but no, I haven't known anything else and so it doesn't it doesn't overwhelm me. Yeah. It overwhelms
0: other people for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, likewise. So why do you consider it a weakness then?
1: Because I can have a lot of really good concepts or ideas and not bring them to fruition. Mm-hmm. It also creates sort of a standard of perfectionism too because I'm not willing to continue on something because something else comes up and seems better and then i think back on that original project and i look at it and think oh i don't like those colors so much or you know this isn't my best work i should just do something else that's probably better and then that thing ends up sitting there and i never tell anybody about that good idea i never share it with anybody it just kind of sits there and i allow it to get to a point where i'm almost like embarrassed of it because i never got that to where it was perfect to where i could bring that out
0: Oh, that's awesome. Well, we're going to bring our interview to a close. But before we do, I want to know, um, what's a question that I should ask that I didn't know enough about to ask you?
1: So one of the things that I struggle with immensely is depression. And that is something that can accidentally, sometimes on purpose, be a more private thing. So that's one thing that not a lot of people often know about somebody when they're suffering just because it's kind of hard to share sometimes i think that is one thing that obviously you don't know enough to ask about specifically sure um, but i'm always willing to talk about it
0: yeah so what does it look like to struggle with depression is it a daily thing for you does it come up through seasons what is that like
1: so for me it's seasonal and i don't know when it's going to happen i don't know I don't have some kind of insight as to when a new season is coming or when one is ending. It's just kind of one day it's there. And then mm. maybe a few weeks, maybe several months, maybe years later, it's kind of faded out. And it's it's never a big fanfare when it's here or when it ends. It's more of a slow wave, almost like the tide coming in. You don't yeah. notice it until it's over your ankles or okay. covering your beach blanket. And you're like, oh, you know, oh, the water's here. That's very here. much how it is for me,
0: too. Okay. So when did that start for you?
1: It I started recognizing it in my early teens. I want to say 13, 14-ish age range is when I first realized that that's what is happening.
0: Okay, and did someone help you identify that or did you just know? How did you identify as a 13-year-old that you were struggling with depression? Mm-hmm.
1: It At first, it was a lot of just reading up on it and Googling and kind of like web MDing my way to that situation. Okay. And then I did end up approaching uh, people about it. I approached my parents about it and started trying to talk to people at my church about it. What was interesting at that time though, is this was before the concept of mental health in general sure. was huge and like in a popular I think, culture. Yeah. And so a lot of the responses I got was, well, Christians don't get depressed. So Mm -hmm. if you are feeling depression, then you're not a good Christian or you're not doing something or you're doing something you shouldn't be. So it was more approached in that regard versus a, oh, hey, you're 14. You shouldn't be feeling this way.
0: Yeah, which that had to be super discouraging because then as a depressed person, it's like, well, the ball's in your court. You can pull yourself out of this. That must have been really hard to hear as such a young person that was walking through that.
1: Yes, for sure. It definitely kind of puts a lot of pressure on the individual when something like that happens. Yeah.
0: So then when you became 20 and you found Jesus, how did you seek refuge from your depression through Jesus? Mm
1: -hmm. I think it goes back to lamenting. It became a lot of just crying out and saying, this is where I'm at. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm feeling. I can't really control it. It's not it doesn't seem helpful. Like i feel like i can't participate in my community. I can't give back to anybody because i have nothing yeah. to give. And that you know can be really shameful. You can think, oh, i'm not doing enough or for me yeah. i tend to think, well, if i'm not completing all 10 tasks on my task list today, then i'm failing in a way. Right. When the reality of it is is that when i'm in a depressive season, maybe 4 items on a task list is enough. Okay. And i think recently something i've been sort of telling myself is sometimes good enough is still enough.
0: Absolutely. So that's really interesting. So in your depressed seasons, you've learned how to first identify your depression. And second, you have figured out how to have appropriate expectations for yourself during that time, which that sounds super powerful.
1: Yeah, it's taken a while to get here. Yeah. But I think recently, especially, I've been learning a lot
0: more on how to deal with it and how to take care of it. For sure. And that must serve your husband well, too, that you can have enough self-awareness to be able to identify those things. Mm
1: -hmm. right? It can be. Sometimes it's still hard to tell people, though. Mm -hmm. Um, Regardless, I mean, I'm married to him. I love him so much. And sometimes I still have a really hard time telling him, hey, I think I'm in another wave of depression. Yeah, I don't really know why that is, but there are times where I just feel like I can't share that.
0: For sure. So how do you... How do you seek refuge in those times? Is it through reading God's word, singing? What brings you comfort by the Holy Spirit, if you will, when you're in that season of depression? Mm-hmm.
1: I, it's kind of a combo of things. So a big part of it is establishing good routines So if I have a solid routine where literally every single day, 365, I get up at the same time of the day and I read the Bible for the same amount of time and I pray and I journal, if that's a habit that's built into me, Mm -hmm. whenever I am in that depressive state, it's easier to continue with that habit. It's kind of like the concept of inertia. As long as I'm constantly in motion, that'll always be there for me to fall back
0: on because it is routine. That's so good. Um, so real quick, tell me what is the hardest thing about walking through seasons of depression and marriage?
1: I think the hardest thing is wanting to fix the other person. And that can go both ways. A lot of times, Michael can, want to fix where I am at Mm -hmm. kind of instantaneously through a joke or through something like that. Mm. And it can go the other way too, where I want to fix people's responses or Michael's response to different situations. And even outside of marriage too, with just friendships in general, a lot of times people will say, well, let me know what I can do. And most of the time the answer is, I don't know. I don't know what I need. I don't know what helps. I don't know anything really. All I know is this present reality is not great. And that's where I'm at. So that yeah. can be really hard sometimes.
0: Yeah. I mean, it is hard because you're you're already in that depressive state. So then to be expected to reach out for help, that's like people don't realize how much energy it takes to do that. So I haven't struggled with clinical depression, but I did struggle with a bout of depression after miscarrying our fourth baby. And it was a new feeling for me. And it is that weird cloud over you that you just feel like you can't put one foot in front of the other. Mm -hmm. It almost feels like you can't do the next right thing because Mm -hmm. I don't know. You just, it's just, you can't even describe what it's like. Mm -hmm. So then to be able to try to expect people in that place to reach out for help is like, you don't even know how hard that is for that person and how impossible that feels and how hard it is to even just have a grasp on what's going on Mm -hmm. when you're in that state. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure we could talk about this very subject for another two hours. Um, Maybe we should in the future. I think we should. I think that we will definitely um, be able to get into the topic of depression a little bit deeper. What is one way that you hope to grow in your navigation of depression just the next year?
1: I think a big thing for me is sharing with other people that that is something I deal with. I tend to be a very private person. I don't like telling people anything good or bad. Um, I have social media, but I hate sharing on it. Like I just, I prefer to keep things very close. And I don't think that that is always helpful and good, especially not when it comes to seasons of suffering. Uh, We don't have to suffer alone as Christians. It's not a private thing. It should be. Out and open and that's something I'm hoping to grow in more is just sharing with people this is something I struggle with if I don't uh, respond or I'm not interested in going to events it's nothing personal it's a lot of times it's just I feel like I can't or socializing with somebody is the last thing on earth that I want to do at that very moment and it's not a reflection of the individual. It's more a reflection of where I'm at personally.
0: Yeah. Well, we've just helped you. We've helped you grow in that right here. That's so You've true. you just told hundreds of women. <laughs> so great. That's wonderful. You can check that off your list. That's true. Um, okay. So give just real quick one piece of advice for someone who is walking alongside someone else, a friend, a spouse, brother, sister, mom, dad, who is in the midst of depression how can they serve and love that person Mm -hmm.
1: i would suggest not asking the person who is suffering from depression what can i do Mm. but instead just show up and be there for the person sometimes it's just writing a letter sending them something old-fashioned snail mail just a letter of encouragement Uh, that way they're not having to Interact so much Mm -hmm. with other people, but it still shows them, hey, I care about you. I'm thinking thinking about you.
0: you. Mm -hmm. I think that's
1: huge. Just being there for the person. Um, You can be there for somebody without feeling like you have to fix something or do something. Absolutely. And I think that's huge.
0: And then I think just the power of prayer. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? It's so big. Even if you're not praying over that person all the time, but just interceding for them through prayer. Mm -hmm daily as the Lord brings that person to mind. Um, That is so huge. Okay, well, we're going to close that up now. But before we do, I need to know what three things are giving you life right now?
1: Oh, yes. Uh, First one is definitely my iPad. I just got an iPad Pro. And that has been something I've wanted forever, like since they ever came out. And that has been so eye opening design wise and drawing wise and digital wise, like I can do so much with it. And that has been so much fun.
0: I'm so intrigued. I feel like off air, you need to tell me more about this because I do not know about this thing. (laughs) So great.
1: I love it. I love it. And the other thing would be my ice cream maker. I bought one on a whim last summer and that has been the best thing ever. Just being able to make my own ice cream. I can put whatever I want in it. It's super low in sugar. I can make it dairy free. It's it's just so great. I love doing that.
0: I love sharing ice cream with people. Wow. Mm -hmm. I'm going to bring my girls over to your house because they love ice cream and my oldest is obsessed with making treats oh
1: my gosh that's perfect yeah bring them over i'm ready to see how that works (laughs) it's so much fun
0: and what's the final thing that's bringing you life
1: the olympics so the olympics start july 23rd i am so obsessed with them i talk to everybody i can about them i like know all of the stats i know so many things about the different sports that are involved or the different people who are participating. I've been obsessed with it my entire life ever since I found out what the Olympics
0: were at age two. Okay, I'm gonna need you to inform us all on social media what we need to tune in to the Olympics about because I am so intrigued. A, I had no idea it was even happening this summer so I have lots to learn about the Olympics
1: (laughs) oh yeah I have lots to share like don't get me started it's bad
0: (laughs) I love it well Scout thank you so much for being with me today I can't wait to share your story with our women and um, we'll be in touch about how the Lord is working through your life going forward
1: yeah absolutely thanks for having me yeah We're so glad that you joined us today. We hope you were encouraged by the gospel and how it was shared through these women's stories. If something from today's podcast connected with you and you want prayer or to further connect with one of our women, we would love to hear from you. You can just email us, women at theparadoxchurch.com and we'll have one of our team members reach out to you. We'll be here again at the first of next month. So be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you hear of the next episode. We love you, Paradox Women. Talk to you soon.